And you know, <coughs> excuse me, God knew you were going to be here this morning. So it's just as well you came, isn't it? <laughs> Even before you were born, he knew you, you were going to be here. Because it says in Psalm 139, verse 16, I think we had that in the New Living Translation, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. Isn't that amazing? His thoughts about each and every one of you are precious. He has precious thoughts about you. Good thoughts. And there are, they are many, many, many good thoughts. So your being here was recorded before you were born. Isn't that amazing? Now, there could be others that God recorded you were going to be in this church today, but they didn't listen. <laughs> That's why they're not here. So you are. You listen to God. So we should always come with the attitude, God knew I would be in the church today, and I'll hear a word from God that he wants me to hear. So God wants you to hear whatever it is I'm going to say today, all right? He wants us to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, so assuming you were born again, what happened at that moment, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, the old you died. And your life now is hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that amazing? That God, it's like our life is hidden with Christ in God. So why does God tell us to set our minds on things above? Because that is where we find hope. As many of us, sometimes you think there's no hope. There seems no hope. No hope. But God says never lose hope, never lose hope, because we find breakthrough and victory. When we find hope, we find breakthrough and we find victory, and that's why I've called it never lose hope. So God wants us to claim and to live in his promises. Do you do that? Find a promise in the word of God, claim it, and thank the Lord for it. He wants us experiencing the blessings of heaven while on earth. You know, it's on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it doesn't feel like heaven at the moment, does it? A lot of the time it doesn't feel like heaven, but God wants it to be like that for us, that we experience heaven on earth. And I do believe there's going to be a point in time where the whole earth is going to experience what heaven is like. There will come a time. So he wants us to experience his blessings while we're here. He wants us to be empowered so we can withstand all the powers of darkness that are arrayed against us. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, verse 10, when praying to the Father, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. I mentioned that just before. Just as it is in heaven. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to think. He says, Your kingdom, pray like this. Jesus said, Pray this. Keep praying this. And the body of Christ, I'm sure, throughout since Jesus was here, that prayer somewhere on the earth has gone up before God. And God has been listening. We have been saying, your Father, your kingdom come, your rule on this earth come, your will be done on earth, 
just as it is in heaven. So there will come a time where things will change and we're going to see wonderful things on the earth when God's glory is going to hit this earth. I've been talking about that for a long time uh, in this church, about the glory coming. Well, guess what? It's still coming, okay? And it's so close. It's closer. It's so close. All right. Did I do Hebrews 6 there? No, Hebrews... <laughs> Hebrews 6. It's a trouble when you use your computer, it sort of moves around. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 12 says that you do not become sluggish. What's like sluggish? That's a funny word, isn't it? Have you ever seen a slug? Have you seen how a slug moves? So slow. No. And he says, do not become sluggish. Don't be like a slug, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God wants us to inherit, to, through faith and patience, he wants us to inherit the promises of God. They're ours to inherit. They are our inheritance. And God wants us to experience them on earth, not when we get to heaven. We'll experience, we won't, you know, we'll have wonderful things in heaven, but he needs us to experience these things on earth. Absolutely. He wants us to inherit his promises on the, the earth. And I could give many examples of believers who have, who have and are receiving the promises of God. In Hebrews 6.12, it gives us, it gives us um, an example for today about Abraham of never losing hope. And concluding in verse 15, and it says, And so after he had patiently endured, Abraham this is, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? The promise of a son. In Hebrews 6, 17, 17 to 20, it says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's us, the immutability. What does that mean, you ask? I'll tell you. <laughs> the unchangeability. It doesn't change. The counsel of his word, his counsel is his word. It doesn't change. It's confirmed by an oath. Jesus, um, you know, it's, he confirmed the word, but Abraham, he, God promised Abraham, he said, I swear to tell the truth. He said, this is God saying this. I promise to keep my word, in other words. God promises to keep his word. That by two things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So let me just say this. God has promises throughout his word. They are signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ and delivered to those who choose him. How many of you have chosen Jesus Christ today? That's a lot of you. I'd say it'd be all of you. So those promises in his word are signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus for each and every one of you. In fact, they are there for the whole world if only they would turn to Christ. But to claim these promises, you have to turn to Christ. You have to turn the Son of God to the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself, because He's the one that sealed the promises in His blood. So God wants you to know He will never break His promises. He will never ever break His promises. He will never go back and change His mind. So we can be strong and courageous, knowing this: when we face troubles and face hard times, God's word—if we will stand on the word of God. 
It will get us through. He will take us through the troubled times. He will take us through the troubled waters and bring us to a place of rest and hope and victory. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, This hope, which is about the promises of God, we have as an anchor of the soul, <clears throat> both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where, where the forerunner has ended for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And so Abraham... He inherited the promise. God promised him. And we tend to think, oh yes, the father of faith. But we neglect the fact that before faith brought the promise into this earthly realm, he had hope. If there's not hope, there'll be no faith. So I want you to see something about hope. Firstly, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse, chapter 13 and verse 13, now abides faith, faith, Hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So we've got three, three things, hope, faith, hope, love. And when you have hope, then faith will come. Faith won't come if you've got no hope. People don't realise that. You need to have hope. If you have hope, faith will come. When you have love, faith works, because faith works by love. And these three things are the, are the main and the abiding spiritual forces on earth. And perhaps the most neglected of the three is hope. We, we work on walking in love, and we do things to grow our faith, but too often we forget hope. Yet it's right up there with faith, hope, and love. I remember um, uh, Don, Pastor Don, my husband, when he, before he died, this was, of course, he was alive, and I'm not what I'm going to share, he was alive. We were over in Brisbane, he, he, was, he, was under, he was fighting for his life, actually, over there. And I came in this morning, that morning, and uh, he'd really improved. And I walked out, and as I walked down the corridor, I saw in the... There's the room there, and they had all the doctors in there, and the nurses, and the sister of the ward. And I said, um, I just said, oh, you know, Don's looking good. He's improving. And they, and this, the, the, the charge nurse said to me, well, don't get your hopes up. Talk about to crush somebody, but I was too full of God. <laughs> I just looked, turned around, and just walked off. And actually, everyone else looked shocked too. I just said not a word. I walked out and I said, God, I don't accept that. You know, I have hope. I know he's going to live and he's not going to die. So isn't it amazing? It's like the devil's just sitting there right there trying to crash, smash your hopes or smash your dreams, smash your faith. Anyway, Abraham, the father of faith, before faith could ever inherit the promises of a son, he had to have hope. He was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. <laughs> so you have to be pretty hopeful, wouldn't you, <laughs> if you're going to have a child? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, anyway, and God showed Abraham. He did. He showed Abraham. He says, look at the sky. And he showed him all the stars. 
And he said, so shall your seed be. He was sowing hope into him. Actually was. It, it says in uh, Romans 4.18, who contrary to hope, this is Abraham, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now God showed him that, and he said, so you could see how many, they couldn't count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. So he put hope. That was hope. He had a vision of hope. And then now, without hope, though, faith won't work. So he, he had hope. Faith took hold of the hope. And um, he took hold of that so that faith would work. If he hadn't had that hope there, then his faith had nothing to grab a hold of. So sometimes we, we just need hope. You know, we, we perhaps make fun of just hoping and a praying. Well, hoping's good and praying's good. <laughs> we need it. You need to have hope because then you give something for your faith to pin or grab a hold of. And many of you probably have lost hope in some areas of your life. You have faith, but you've lost hope. So your faith... As I said, it has nothing to pin itself on. And God is telling us, don't lose hope. Maybe you're facing a difficult time. God's saying to you, don't lose hope. You've got the faith to get you through this. Don't lose hope. It will work out. You know, things are going to change. You've got to have hope. And you, you need to get a vision in your, in your mind of like for Abraham, he saw the stars. And he thought, oh, those are my descendants. They're going to come through my son. So we need to have a, keep a vision. See yourself healed or see your children worshipping God or whatever it is you're facing at the minute. Build hope in your heart. Be able to see it again and then your faith will take a hold of it. It's not that you've got no faith. It's that we don't sometimes have hope. We forget about it. But... Uh, Hope is sure and it's steadfast. It, ent it enters, it's an anchor of the soul, like I said, which, which is made up of your mind, your will and your emotions. It's an anchor of the soul. And our hope enters heaven itself. Isn't that amazing? It transcends this natural world and it enters, it says, but it enters the heavenly holy of holies into the very presence of God himself. Your hope appears before God. Hope is sure and hope is steadfast. Literally, it's fixed and it's unwavering and never failing. It builds a picture in your mind which your faith can grab and bring it into this natural realm. And, uh, hope acts as an anchor. It talks about that, an anchor. An anchor holds a ship from being ship shipwrecked on rocks, doesn't it? So hope has the power to anchor our soul. That's our mind, our will, and emotions. Hope, if you can build that vision in there, you can see it. Hope has the power to anchor your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Anchor it to the promises when the storms of life hit. When everything around you says you'll fail, this will not work, God won't answer your prayers, Everything's going to, everyone's going to hell in a handbasket, so forth. Yell out, Satan, it's too late. 
My hope has already entered the heavenly realm before God where there's neither rust nor moths. No moth. No moth can enter that place to chew it up. No rust can cause my hope to rust away. My hope now is before God. Imagine what your hope before. See it before God. It says it goes into the heavenly of heavenlies. Goes before God there. So, praise the Lord. We need to get a wee bit excited. <laughs> okay, right. See, the trouble with these things, they move. These things, computers, you know they move. You move. <laughs> and then you've got to find where you were. My goodness, I might have to go back to the old style paper. Okay, so hope is an anchor, holds us tight from being shipwrecked on rocks. And there's the power to anchor your soul, your mind, your will and emotions when the storms of life hit. So when everything around you says you will fail, this will not work, God won't answer your prayers. Yell, too late. Too late. My hope is already in that place, that heavenly realm where the rusts, rust won't touch, moss can't touch, they can't enter in. Yeah. And we know that rust it corrodes things, doesn't it? Metal will corrode and it will be destroyed. Moths eat away cloth. You know, if they find wool, they love to lay their little eggs there and then their little moth worm thing will start making a hole in the, in the wool. Until there's none, you know, the next minute you get out your nice jumper, it's got big holes in it. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those moths for quite a while, actually. Anyway... So there's no doubt and there's no unbelief in heaven. And, you know, if your hope's there, it's, it's a good place for it to be. There's no failure, there's no defeat, there's no sickness, depression, hopelessness or poverty. There are no doubts, no fear or unbelief. None of that stuff can enter the heavenly realm where our hope is anchored. Your hope is anchored up there. See, hope is positive. It's like positive imagination. Uh, the Hebrew word for hope and imagination is yetzer, Y-E-T-S-E-R, meaning conception in a figurative way. So hope or imagination is how to conceive the promises of God and give birth to them through faith. So first we've got to conceive the thing. You've got to see it there. You've got to have hope there. And then your faith will birth what you're hoping for. If there is no hope, there's, if there's no positive God-inspired imagination, there is no conception. Therefore, faith has no, nothing to give birth to. When God appeared to Abraham, he said he was going to make him a father of many nations, like I said, that he would have a son, although he was already 100 years old. And it says in Genesis 15:5, God brought him outside and said, Now look toward the heaven. And count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed. And God did more than just speak words to Abraham. See, he painted a picture, an image for him in his soul. So we need to use our imagination sometimes. You know, picture yourself healed. Picture, your, as I said, your children sitting in church. Or, you know, picture... Um, Whatever it is that you've got, if you're looking, wanting to get a house, picture a house. Picture, get a picture, get, 
Give it, that you've got hope that one day I'll have a house that I can call mine. Thank you, Lord. So Abraham, he conceived on the inside the hope of having a son. He saw it, he saw the descendants, and at that moment, he believed. It says in Romans 4.18, who, contrary to hope, and this is talking about Abraham, in hope he believed. In other words, contrary to hope, we're in the natural, there was no reason for hope. But in hope he believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your seed be. So Abraham, he never lost the picture God painted in his imagination that night of descendants as numerous as the stars. Now he could believe he had hope. He could now and put his faith to it. He was known the father of faith. But before there could be faith, there had to be hope. Am I getting the picture across? <laughs> you got hope? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that image was conceived in him, and his faith gave birth to it. God captured Abraham's imagination so that Abraham could put faith to his hope. If Abraham had considered his own body, he wouldn't have been able to receive the promise. If he looked at his 70-year-old wife, he would have felt the same. Because the image of an old body would replace the image of having a son. He refused to build an image of impossibility. He didn't go... Oh, sorry, uh, I think she was 90. Is that right? If I'm right? 90. Sounds better than 70. <laughs> 70 is young. Gosh, come on now. Definitely, he's very young. And 90, when I get to 90, he'll be young too. <laughs> so he refused to build that image and he didn't go and consult with the doctor. He didn't go and see the elderly people around about had any of them had a child. No, he didn't consult anyone like that. He just listened to God. He had that image there. He had, this, he had his hope out there. And now he's going to apply his faith. And it says in Romans 4.20, did I read that? No. He did not, you don't know either, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't waver. Don't waver. Just stay steadfast. Don't get into unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How did he give glory? His hope had entered that place, that heavenly realm of God's presence, and it anchored his soul. And he wouldn't, Consider his 100-year-old body. Wouldn't even that didn't come into the, the the equation at all. He would only consider the promise of becoming a father. He considered not just his son, but the, all the descendants that would come from that one baby. And now that he had hope, his faith had something to grab. If you can't see it on the inside, you won't see it on the outside. Get hope in your heart. Get the image in your heart of what you want to see. Whatever it is you're believing God for, get the image in your heart where it's hope. That's your hope. You're building your hope. Then apply your faith and you'll receive what you're believing for. So around 16 years later, after uh, Isaac was born, he was a young lad, and then God spoke to him and he said to him, I want you to take your son, your only son, 
and to offer him as a sacrifice on this mountain. So Abraham didn't hesitate. I would have said, what? No, God. He's the one through all these descendants of my sacrifice, and that's the end of that, you know. But Abraham, what a man of faith. He took him up to the mountain. He laid wood on the altar. He laid his son. He wasn't a little baby son. He was like a 16-year-old. Hop on the hop on the wood, son. And he's thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> this, this doesn't look good. <laughs> this doesn't look good. And then he has to bring out the knife, and he lifts the knife. He was this close to doing it. And an angel stopped him. And it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, in Hebrews eleven seventeen, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. And verse 19 it says, Concluding, this is what he was thinking, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he received him. So he'd already seen that. He said, okay, Lord, then if you want me to do this, this is my, you promised me the son, you promised me these descendants. Okay, if you want me to, to sacrifice him on this altar here, I'll do that, but you'll have to raise him from the dead to fulfill what your promise. That's a man of faith, isn't it? Yeah. So he'd already received him back in the figurative sense, it says there. He'd already seen it. He already said, right, this is what goes to happen. Okay, God won't back, back off his word, and he won't take what he's promised. He's not going to take it away. So he'd already imagined that in his heart. It's amazing, isn't it? That's faith. That is faith. He'd already had that picture of Isaac being raised from the dead. He knew God couldn't lie. He had sworn by himself when, uh, when he promised uh, um, Isaac. There were two immutable things. God's promise, he said, he promised and he, he swore on that. He made an oath. It's like, you know, I don't know, I was thinking in courts. Courts, when, you, when you're, you know, caught up as a witness and you've got to put your hand on the Bible. Do they still do that? They don't even believe in Bibles now, do they? It's the courts I know, I wouldn't think. Anyway, you lay your hands on the Bible and you say, I'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. That's an oath. Well, God couldn't put his hand on the Bible, but he swore by himself. He made it know that this would happen for sure. So that's great. God's words are sure. You can be confident in God. He's not, gonna, he's not a mean God up there just watching and laughing when we can't make it. No, he's, he's cheering us on. He absolutely is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. It brings substance of things you are hoping for. So you first build hope. And then your faith is going to bring substance to what you are hoping for. And it's the evidence of things not yet seen. So if you don't have hope conceived on the inside, then faith has nothing to grab or to give birth to. If we have no positive expectation, but only fear and anxiety, then faith is powerless to work in our lives. Remember, hope is positive expectation. In Romans 8, 24 and 25, it says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
So we are saved in this hope, the hope of whatever our future is in God. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? If you've you know, got hope for a car, then you've got a car, you don't need to hope for it anymore, do you? Because you've got the car. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with it for it with perseverance. You know, we're, okay, I can see it. And I'm, I'm eagerly waiting with, for, for it with perseverance. I'm applying faith to it now. I can apply faith because I can see it. So there is seeing and there is seeing. <laughs> seeing through our spiritual eyes and seeing through our natural eyes. Hope is seeing something that you can't yet see in the, with the natural eye. And 2 Corinthians 4.18 explains this further. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we look at things which are not seen in the natural realm yet. How? Because we see it with our heart, with our soul. We have the ability to see things with our imagination. See, our imagination is for good. It's called hope. And too often we're believing God for something which we can't yet see in the inner man. And there's no image there. You've got no image. Say if you're believing for healing, all you can see is yourself sick. You can't. You need to change your, what you see. You need to see yourself well. And then you can apply your faith and bring it into existence. Um, yeah, we need, to, we need to see it in our imagination, if you like, in that place to give our faith something to give substance to. You may think, well, I'm not a spiritual enough to see things that way. But we think in pictures all the time. If I say to you, close your eyes, okay, see a boat, Okay, now open your eyes. Now, what did you see, Brownie? What sort of boat? Was it big boat? What did you see? What sort of sailing boat? Peter, what did you... Pastor Peter, what did you see? A speed boat. You would <laughs> a speed boat. What did you you see? A boat? What? A big boat? Yeah. See, you know, someone I know is Kirsty here. I don't know, Kirsty. She'd be dreaming, she'd see immediately a cruise ship because she loves going on cruises. <laughs> Some of you fishermen, and you'd see a fishing boat. So, but we, you see something. So your imagination is working all the time. Absolutely. And sports people use their imagination. Do you remember the great all black of um, Daniel Carter? Some of you will know Daniel Carter. He was an amazing. Yeah, what do you call it? When they, who? First five. And he, he would kick, he's a goal, he kicks the goals, eh? He was great. He, he very rarely missed the goal with the ball. And, um, but what he would do, he was, when he was about to kick the ball, this is what he would do. He imagined kicking the ball and he watched that ball go over the, through the posts before he ever kicked. So he'd already, he had already imagined it, he'd already seen it. That's imagination. That was hopeful expectation. 
And he can, so he can, it's like he conceives a goal in his heart before he kicks the ball. And then his, his faith and his ability carries it over the goalpost. See, the world has, in some cases, got a better handle on this truth in the body of Christ. Hope, it says in the Bible, hope deferred or removed. That actually means removed. It's not just delayed. Hope deferred, removed, makes the heart sick. So that's many of us, you know, we've allowed hope to be removed. It's not just, I mean, I used to think hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you have to wait too long, then you, you know, you, you just almost, your heart, it makes your heart sick. But it's not that. It means if, it's, if hope has totally been removed, hope deferred, removed, you've got no hope, then you know, it makes the heart sick. You're never going to get what you want from God. It doesn't say hope waited for a long time makes the heart sick. We could look how long you know, that Abraham had to wait. He had to wait a good long time. And sometimes we have to wait a long time for the answer. But uh, it doesn't say that if you hope waiting a long time is going to make your heart sick. That's not what it's saying. It's hope removed makes the heart sick. And when Satan, he will put pressure on us to remove the hope and the image in our hearts and try and put his image there of failure, of sickness, of lack, kids going to hell, this sort of thing, all the bad stuff. Don't let the enemy remove your hopes. Replace them with, don't let him replace them with his image of failure, of not being good enough, of lack, of sickness, whatever. We need to raise our hopes. Um, yeah, we need to raise our hopes. Not like that nurse who says to me, don't get your hopes up. Well, stuff you, lady. Don't talk, say that to me. <laughs> I've got too much word in my heart and there's no way I'm accepting that. I'll raise my hopes as high as I can. So we need to raise our hopes, increase the image, redraw the image through the word by meditating on it. Redraw it. And start seeing what you believe in God for. You know, Jesus often spoke in pictures, didn't he? To build an image in people's heart. He talk, used to talk about sower sows the word. Uh, and then he would teach all sorts of spiritual things through pictures so that they could build an image and have hope in, the, in them. So, so our words will paint pictures. Like his, Jesus' words, they painted pictures. And we use our imagination all the time. If you, know, if you close your eyes right now and picture your house, can you see now I want you to walk, open the door, walk in, go into the kitchen, put the kettle on. Can you see that? Could you see yourself? Well, there's, that's your imagination. You saw that. That's your hope, that when you get home, you're going to open the door, you're going to, there, you're going to have a cup of tea or whatever <laughs> you might want. So some imagination is some, can see something that is not there at the moment. See, in the natural, I, say, I tell you to do that. At the moment, you're not there, but you can see it. So you may not have what you want from God yet, but you can see it through hope in your spirit, man, in your soul, in your soul. Your mind, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
And that's where, where your, your battle is, really. It's in the mind, isn't it? It's in the soulish, it's the soul part of us. And that's where our imagination is. So hope is an image in our hearts which gets us through the hard and the difficult times because we know the best is yet to come. We know Jesus will never leave us. He will never forsake us. God is watching his word to perform it on our behalf. Hope is the image of something positive. It's an image of healing. It can be an image of abundance. And then the word says, now faith, uh, it's, faith will give substance to what you are hoping for. It says in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So you think on that word, all things work together for good, and you imagine all things working together for good. Say, okay, Lord, this is a hard time at the minute, but I just thank you, Lord, that all things work together for good because I love you, God, and I'm called according to your purpose. This is how you make God's work would work for you. So you think on it, you imagine all things working out and your faith has something to work with now. So we need to see positive things for the future. Your future in God is positive. You've got a great future. Don't look, away, don't look way ahead and stress out about things because Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow saying, what will I wear, blah, blah. Don't, no thought. don't worry about that. Today is today. Have your hope. Put your hope where it should be. God knows you need all these things. He knows what you need. Jesus said God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. So don't fear. We're of greater value. He said don't fear. You're of more value than a sparrow. So he sees everything about our lives. And he wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you provision and abundance. He wants to bless your children. The seed of the righteous are blessed, so you hold on to that. My seed, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, right down the line, are blessed in Jesus' name. You've got to, you, if, they, you know, if they're not doing what you know they should be doing, doing things wrong, you, know, you get the word in your heart and you build an image of them. Build an image of them Knowing God, loving God, serving God. Thank you, Jesus. So don't see things from the negative, because when you do that, you're building an image of hopeless, of a hopeless future, or a future of lack, or whatever. You know, children have an amazing. I love watching children. They have amazing imaginations, and then they grow up and lose. We lose them. eh? get up and sort of said, "Oh, stop!" You know, you're just sometimes told, "Don't." You know, um, You'd stop dreaming, that sort of thing, that comment. We should never say that to a child. Let them dream. Let them have good dreams. Let them... I love watching children. It's amazing how, you know, I had um, Amy's little girls, they were in my house you know, a couple of weeks ago building blocks, and they were building cafes. Because <laughs> they, they, they got to like cafes, because I love cafes. Anyway, and they were building these little blocks on the floor, and this is a seat, and, and had even a little flower there. And it, it, look, it was, looked really beautiful, but to them, it was, they were cafes because they used their imagination. So we need to use our imagination. Learn to dream again. 
Absolutely. So we need to apply that ability to spiritual things. We see ourselves succeeding, see ourselves prospering, see ourselves healed. See this nation. We need to start, see this nation restored. This used to be called God's own nation. Nobody says that anymore. I mentioned that a while ago. I, talk, I call it God's nation, eh? We, we call it, this is God's nation. This he said, I, to G, he said to his son, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the furthest parts is your possession. Can't get much further than New Zealand. So I remind God of that every day. God, you promised this for your son, that this nation is his inheritance and it's his possession. It's his right to possess New Zealand. Not darkness, not Satan, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, this is my nation and it's my right to possess it. So I have authority in this nation. And that's what we need to know. We have authority in this nation, in the spirit realm. We have authority in the spirit realm. And we need to say, devil, get your hands off this nation. This nation belongs to Jesus Christ. And the goodness of God and the life of God and the glory of God is going to cover this nation, so you better get out now. You know, amen. Right. Get me, don't get me started. <laughs> so we think too small sometimes. Sometimes we see ourselves as small and weak, but we're powerful on the inside. You are big on the inside. You're powerful. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. There's no one more powerful than you. There's no, no Satan demonized person is stronger than a child of the living God. There's no one that's more powerful than a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Know who you are. See, see yourself like that. Don't think small. You don't think small at all. Paul was always encouraging believers to see themselves for who they are in Christ Jesus. We are jointers with Jesus Christ. We're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. God is for us. He's not against us. We have been conformed into the image of his son. We've been made the righteousness of God. We are holy and blameless and above reproach. Never lose hope. The end. <laughs> Yay. So, I hope I got you stirred up there. Took a while, took a while, but we got there, didn't we? So, you know, good things are ahead of us. Great things are ahead for each and every one of you. God loves you. You were here. See, God ordained you to be here at this time to hear that message because he wants you to build amazing images on the inside of you and then your faith is going to grab and you're going to change this nation and change this world. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you for everybody here today. I ask you to bless them beyond measure. Let the blessing of God be upon them, Father God. The goodness of God, may your goodness overtake them, Father God. You are their provider, their healer. Father, you're their strong tower from the enemy. I thank you and pray for healing for each and every one, Father God. Lord, and they be, Lord, know you and be filled with your Holy Spirit, Father. That the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, you're just going to fall on people. You're going to fall on people in this house, Father God. And, if, and on this nation, the Holy Spirit is going to come and fall. And the goodness of God and the glory of God is going to cover us. So, Father, we thank you for it. You're awesome. 
Amen. Amen. Now, if you want prayer, 